We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. Kirk Anderson and Josh Bo coming to you late Saturday night following the second straight Dallas Mavericks win, this time against the Orlando Magic 108 to 92. How you doing, Josh? Uh, I'm okay. Um, I don't, we made it. I don't know how we made it through that game, but, but we're here. Like, we both didn't fall asleep. Um, we're both here podcasting. I don't know what level, like, what percentage, like, efficiency we're going to be tonight, but we're, we're here. <laughs> I mean, that game's an argument for contracting the Magic. <laughs> yes, it is. They are a horrendous basketball team from top to bottom. And I've, I've, you know, that's probably the third time this year I've watched Franz Wagner, who is ostensibly like the rookie of the year at this point. And he was very poor. And there was just nothing interesting about the Magic the whole game. Every single player sucked. Suggs was pretty fun, I guess. He was, he was, you know... 7-11 from the floor in 24 minutes, but he was a guy I really loved watching play. I thought he'd be like a fun kind of guard next to Luca and my stuff in my head. It's really amazing watching, uh, you know, like like a guy that we actually literally pined for in Terrence Ross get, this, uh, you know, play 23 uneventful minutes. And just this is an awful game. I don't even know what to say about it. What do you think? Uh, I think it's just good that the Mavericks, you know, awful game, but like, you know, imagine if it was the score was reversed. Like, it's just like, Hey, I feel like we've reached a point with the Mavericks this season where they've stabilized and they've kind of, they're kind of what we thought that they would be in the preseason. I think, uh, maybe not exactly like, you know, I think we, we both thought that they would be a much better offensive team. Uh, so they're winning a different way, but like the rate that they're winning at now feels more consistent to what we thought they'd be in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it feels like they've just stabilized. Like the fact that they were able to have a very uneventful, sleepy, ugly 16 point win, it says a lot about where this team is compared to where it was two or three months ago, right? Yeah. Like, I, mean, I mean, they're just, they slowly ground the magic into dust. And that third quarter was a painful experience where the Magic were getting pissy with how badly they were getting beat. 
that was kind of the the you know Luca making faces and being an ass on the court aside like it was I mean the the defense is just real good yeah, I mean, the Mavericks. Good. The Mavericks kind of bulldozed them. They had they out rebounded the Magic forty seven to thirty seven. The Mavs had twelve offensive rebounds. They had thirty eight free throw attempts. I mean, they kind uh, they kind of bullied them tonight. Um, and uh, the Magic just weren't you know it. It was just such a stark like haves versus have not have nots game. Like it, it was just it was just kind of remarkable how the Mavericks were able to give maybe like a C minus effort on the offensive end and just utterly control and dominate the game from, I mean, basically opening tip till the end. I mean, the magic really didn't make any headway until garbage time, but until then, I mean, it was consistently like a 12 to 17 point lead, like from the second quarter to the end of the game. And that that's pretty impressive considering the Maverick shot 41% from the floor and only 35% from three. Yeah, yeah, and I think part of me would have liked to have seen another thoroughly convincing, like, Luka offensive performance. Granted, he had 23 points and nine rebounds. He only had three assists, but, like, it was another game where I just watched so many open shots not go in from passes that he made. Don't really know, you know. I will say it was really nice to see Porzingis. Uh, He was 19-7. and He scored 13 points, I think, in the first quarter. Like, he was really good to start the game uh, and set the tone. He hit some threes, which he hasn't been doing, and he got to the free throw line. Like, 12 free throws is pretty outstanding. Mm-hmm. You know, him and Brunson paced the Mavericks offensively. Like, Luca again, won. Yep. you know, he scored 23 points, but it was it was grindy. You know, he's just Luca, – Luca's distance shooting is so painful these days. He's 1 of 6 from 3 after being 0 of 6 the night before. I mean, it was, this is just a game that, that, you know, after they were on the road last night, they come back, they're playing a late game. You know, it's probably Mm -hmm. off their kind of normal schedule. It's, it's good to get out with a win in a convincing one where like nobody got hurt or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's it's pretty much the best I can say about that game. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was frustrating to see Luca like, uh, you know, get 23 points and it'd be like a, a, a struggle again. Uh, you know, especially after, you know, we thought he kind of broke through in the second half against the, uh, against the Grizzlies on Friday. And then for him to go right back to, you know, a sub 50% shooting performance, you know, seven of 19 from the floor. Like that was a little disappointing. Um, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. was four of 13. You know, he's, you know, they're winning these games despite those two guys just not really shooting the way that they really need them to be shooting, uh, which I guess is a credit to the roster and credit to all the other guys. I mean, Dorian and Maxi combined. I mean, Dorian and Maxi were two-year starters, and they combined for five points and, and one of six from three. And like the fact that they're winning these games by double digits is it's fairly impressive. And uh, I thought it was interesting the starting lineup. That that was probably the most interesting thing uh, of the game to me was the starting lineup. Um, this is the healthiest the Mavericks have been all season. This game. Uh, and the and this was the first time the Mavericks started this season. Doncic, Brunson, Finney, Smith, Kleba, Przingis. Um, entering this game, I looked it up. Uh, the this lineup had played four total possessions entering tonight, not minutes, possessions. So we haven't seen this lineup basically at all, and they totally dominated the game from the opening tip. 
Porzingis looked good. Uh, so I, I'm very curious to see this lineup going forward because, you know, to start the season, you know, you had Pal and Porzingis as the starting front court. You had uh, either Bullock or THJ as that other perimeter player, uh, wing player next to Finney Smith and Luca. Uh, and this is, I mean, I think everyone would agree these are the five best players on the Mavericks, and they started them in a game. And we they haven't really done that a lot in the last couple of seasons. So uh, I'm curious. I'm very curious to see how this lineup looks. I'm curious to see what it, this team looks like going forward with Przingis back in the fold, considering how they are playing without him. Uh, and, and that's kind of what I'm looking at and not really, you know, this game was ugly as, as sin at times and got unnecessarily chippy, but that was probably the most interesting thing to me. So tonight was the first home game in a five game home stretch. And so the thing that I really am taking away when looking around at like the minutes is it's nice that they're not playing that much because it's a six game uh, and nine night stretch. And, you know, they, they didn't play a ton of their starters past like the 32 to 33 minute mark against Memphis because they just beat the crap out of them so badly. Then they go, they play the Thunder Monday, Toronto Wednesday, and uh, the Suns on Thursday. And, you know, Toronto is obviously quite good despite the fact that the Mavericks beat them earlier in the season and the Suns are part of the top of the West. So it's, yeah, I've been kind of curious how they were going to come away with this because this is their first back. This is, they, they won two games in a row on a back-to-back and then they have three more back-to-backs to finish out the month. So I'm just to the point where I'm looking at like the big picture because this game was so bleh and being five games over 500, it's banking wins to make, you know, to give themselves a little bit of cushion because this is the 43rd game of the season, I believe. And it's just getting to the point in the standings where you start to see these levels of separation. And by winning these games that they're supposed to win, if they happen to get the shit kicked out of them by Phoenix on Thursday, there's going to be less spice for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Uh, I think they've, they are starting to pull away from, the seventh seed Lakers who are just an absolute mess. They just lost by a million points to the nuggets. Uh, I think the Mavericks are now three games up on the Lakers for the seventh seed. And really that's kind of all I'm looking at. Like uh, the, the Mavericks are kind of in a weird spot where they're, where they're starting to pull away from seven, but they're still really far away from four um, and the teams ahead of them. So as long as they can kind of stay where they're at and just kind of maintain uh, and the teams below them, there's so much going on with them uh, that, you know, I'm not too worried about them sliding in the standing. So, yeah, um, they're, they've they definitely stabilized. And, you know, they had a bad game against New York. But, you know, I feel like those are going to be fewer and far between than what we saw in, you know, the opening you know month or two of the season. You know, they're going to get got by three-point shot variants and, and have some bad nights. But, uh, I mean... I haven't really they haven't lost they haven't lost two in a row since you know the Milwaukee Utah games um when you know almost the entire roster was out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I mean they've they're really on a nice run here. Well, you keep describing it as as like stabilizing and I I suppose that's what's in such like a stark contrast from last season where they they started the year 9 and 14. And they had to dig themselves out of such a hole. And now 
I, I sort of feel like they're playing with house money because our expectations to start the season were high. They didn't meet them. Uh, they played pretty poorly for a stretch, you know, even before some of these COVID stuff happened. And now that they are just playing sort of consistent basketball, the stinkers like that Knicks game are a lot more palatable. Um, you and I, mainly me, are are more prone to getting pissy at some of these losses. And like that Knicks one, it's kind of like, eh, you know, it's annoying, but everybody played bad. It wasn't an instance of, you know, the Kings loss was a frustrating loss. Like that's the, you know, and that was really one of the other lot, only other losses they've had in like the last three weeks. So I don't know. I, this just feels like a very, it's like a nice time. It's enjoyable from a, from a big picture standpoint, like tonight's game stank, but I had a great time last night. That was really one of the things I took away from it is despite it being a late game, it was a lot of fun. And and I'm just kind of, I'm looking ahead at what they have to do at least the next week. And there's just, I, I think, you know, if, if they come out of this five game home stretch and they've won three and two, you know, that's better than 500. Like that feels like progress. Yeah, totally. Uh, and, you know, Toronto is, is much better than they were when they played them earlier in the season. So, you know, Toronto Phoenix, I mean, they play what Toronto, Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, four in a row. Uh, if they can split those, you know, I'd be okay with that. Um, you know, they're the schedule is so weird because this season is so weird. Like, it, it just feels like there's not as many like soft games because like the Eastern Conference is so much better. And usually, like you know, the Ma- with the Maverick season, be like you go through like a gauntlet of playing all these Western teams and be like, okay, here's your Eastern Conference break. But now the Eastern Conference is is so improved that it feels like you know, outside of like four or five teams in the entire league, there's not really like a, a let up part, you know, there's not really like a bunch of let up games that they, they can kind of take their foot off the pedal. It's it's a weird season. Uh, Cause normally the West is so much better than the East. So uh, if it, it, it might make it, it these games are going to be interesting uh, and they're going to be meaningful. And I guess that's all we can ask for. And like, like you said, I mean, they were two games under 500, um you know what about basically two weeks ago uh mm-hmm. so i mean the season could have gone a much different direction and it hasn't so credit to the guys for these guys for uh kind of turning things around i mean and, and this is probably um, this take may not be received well but with the way that they started and where they are now i think i'm actually okay with a five six seed mavericks team it's not good enough for where I want them to be realistically, but you know, I look at the rest of the schedule and I look at sort of how they've, you know, I still think there's levels their offense can improve upon just like things that half the team can do better. I think that that if they figured out the defense and there's some sort of sustainability and familiarity with like what the scheme ought to be and what they need to be doing, like in their base level stuff, I think the defense is, I don't know if it's like sustainable at this level feels a little much to ask, but I think they can be a top 15 defense on the year, which is not the case the last two. And if that, if they can just sort of hang around, hang around, hang around, you know, you go in and, you know, I mentioned this during the game. I don't think I said it on the podcast. Like I wouldn't hate a Memphis Dallas playoff series. I just wouldn't hate it. The, the, you know, Utah may be a slightly different story. I certainly don't want to play Golden State or the Suns, but it's just looking ahead right now. I'm just like, yeah, you know, things don't always work out. It's going to take, you know, if if Luca continues to improve his his fitness, there's 
there's of course they can still climb into the top four, but being four and a half games back, it's just, it's a lot to ask in, in my opinion. And I don't know. I, I feel like overwhelmingly positive for me, but it may not be what Mavs fans want from this team. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think everyone had expectations of them being a top four. And I mean, I think, I, I mean, a lot of people on our staff were hoping they would be top three because you basically had a team that finished fifth last year and you thought, okay, you swap out uh, Richardson uh, for Reggie Bullock and Chris stops you. It's like, he can't get any worse than he was defensively last season. So there's going to be some improvement there. And, you know, just by those two things alone, they should just be a better team. And you would hope that would mean maybe a couple of, a couple of rungs up the ladder. And the fact that they're still kind of where they were last year in a way, it, it, you know, that is disappointing. Like, you know, you, you know, it's, it's disappointing that they had to win. They have to go that this huge winning run, like this should be what is propelling. This should be like what Memphis is going through right now, like propelling them into the top three or four. And instead it's basically, you know, saving them from the, the play in game. So like, it's awesome that they've rebounded their season, but you know, we're, we're two years, this is two years now where they've had to save their season basically, you know, around Christmas time or around the halfway point. And right. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a glass half full glass, half empty. Like it's awesome that they're able to do it. And it's awesome that they're able to go on a run like this. But on the other hand, it's like, man, like imagine if they were three or four games above 500 when they started this run instead of two games under 500, like it just, right. you know, uh, you know, you just, you're, we're kind of waiting for this team to maybe take that next step. And they, and it feels like, you know, record wise, they, they've kind of been in the same spot since 2019, 2020. Um, so, but, but there's a lot of season left. I mean, if yes. they keep doing like they're playing right now, uh, they're definitely going to do that. They will, you know, they will get there. They are sniffing a 50 win pace right now, uh, which is something they haven't done in a while. Yeah. And, I think it, we should probably close on this. So you and I are, I don't want to say we're disinterested in trade talk. We're just not particularly good at it. And so it's not something that we often circle back on. Um, I do think it's safe to assume the Mavericks will try to make a change. But after moving on from Willie Cauley-Stein today, which is just, you know, and, and whatever's going on with Willie, they keep talking about personal issues. I don't want to make any assumptions. Picking up his team option, which they did to include in a trade, is a very poor start to the new management period. It, it, granted, I'm pretty sure that sort of thing was decided by Mark Cuban because Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd had just started, but it's not a great start. And so I'm not really, you know, with that in mind, I just don't know what they can do because even as, as early as 2 p.m. today, Tim McMahon was saying that the Mavericks were holding on to Willie Cauley-Stein because his salary could be important for a trade. And that's embarrassing. If you thought that they were going to be able to, like if if the Mavericks actually thought they were going to be able to trade Willie Cauley-Stein for anything, I don't know like how, like he, <laughs> he, he's been out. He's, you know, I, I you know, the, I, I saw a Lakers writer today talk about how they were going to be able to ship out Deandre Jordan today. And it's like, Get your head out of your ass. These things aren't <laughs> happening. They're bad players. Yeah, the only way it made sense was if it was a very big trade and they needed his four point one million mm-hmm. to make the numbers match. But yeah, there was no way they were going to trade him just like him, like straight up for something. 
uh, you know, they would have had to attach a pick, I think, to trade him straight away for something. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know, because it, it the, it's such a weird. The, the roster's in a weird spot with Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith both due for uh, new contracts next season, and they're both unrestricted free agents, and they both happen to be having their career best seasons right now. So, uh, you know, the only piece that you feel comfortable moving on from right now is probably Tim Hardaway Jr., but the only reason why you're comfortable moving away from him is because he's been so bad uh, and has been, you know, underperforming so much. So, uh, you know, we've already heard that the Mavericks are trying to trade him and the league is kind of like, no thanks. Uh, But, you know, who knows? So, yeah, I I don't know. Like like you said, I'm just not good at it. I can't come up with the fake trades. Uh, The Porzingis trade totally blindsided me like i it, yeah i, I, I would just rather don't... be and and we have some friends and colleagues that love talking about this stuff and i would rather be caught off guard than talk out of my ass yeah that's fair that's <laughs> i think that's kind of how i feel too because like there's just nothing like i i i don't i hate being the fan and and you know every fan base is guilty of this being like well we can get something for this player and it's like can you can you and, you know, hearing that the Mavericks were actually thinking they could trade Willie and then watching what me and other people did in like August and thinking, oh, they could trade Willie for Drogic. And it's like, no, <laughs> I don't know. It is what it is. And them going on this winning run. I mean, are they as motivated to make a trade mm. right now as maybe they were a month ago when they were right around 500 and so many people on the roster were underperforming? Like, I don't know, like has this winning run change their mind uh in terms of what they want to do i mean we have no idea so um, yeah it's going to be interesting i mean we've got basically a month till the deadline and a lot can happen in a month so uh who knows uh, it's definitely not my expertise so uh I'm, I'm just i have no idea what's going to happen well i think we should end with that note josh this okay. has been fun we talk longer than i meant to i'll be sure to edit out that sweet sweet gap <laughs> of uh blank space i don't know what happened there Usually ah, when okay. uh, when we usually have audio snafus, they're usually like unfixable, and we have to like restart the pod. But this is good. This is an yeah. easy one to fix. I'm just paying tribute to the quality of the game we watched. That's right. All right, guys. Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow will be back Monday night after they uh, hopefully beat the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. We will talk to you guys soon. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.